0: Um, I was asking the Lord because today's our family service, you know, and so there's a bunch of kids in the room. So in light of the kids being in the room, today's not going to be much of a deep theological Discussion or anything like that. Um, We really believe that kids, that our whole church is not just when you're an adult, it's the whole family, right? It's from the babies all the way up. And so, um, yeah, so we love taking time to incorporate the kids in our service. This Sunday, we do this every time there's a fifth Sunday of the month. So for parents, if you're like, what is the order of this? That's when it is. So when there's a fifth Sunday, that helps us keep our kids' rotation working smoothly as well. Um, But I really just have a word of encouragement for us today. That's really what's on my heart. So this is is isn't like a teaching. It's not really even a sermon. It's really just a word of encouragement that I felt like the Lord put on my heart for us. And uh, most of you guys know last week I was on a a mission trip of sorts to the country of Guyana. It's directly left of Brazil. It's sort of a Caribbean nation, sort of a third world country. But it's it's like not an island nation. Everything about it feels like an island nation. But there's no real beach. So it was a, a very strange thing. Um, but I loved being there. We went. I went with a friend and mentor of mine, Dr. Kim Moss, who is uh, a traveling itinerant minister. She's a, a prophet as well. She's an amazing mother to many nations, actually. And they had invited her, and they said, "Kim, what we want you to do is start a women's movement in the nation of Guyana." So that's you know no small task. So she invited a handful of her close friends and said, would you come with me to help me do this? And we, of course, said, yes, we'll be there. And so we spent a couple days at a specific conference, a women's conference in a specific denomination there in Guyana, and then we were actually sent in groups of two to go to different churches in that denomination and minister to them as well. And so the church that I got picked to go to, they they sent us to, a dear friend of mine and I went, and my friend Jenna was the one preaching, and she said, I want you to do the ministry time, and so... We were asking the Lord, and that morning when we went to, um, when I woke up, I heard the Lord say, you know, the atmosphere is really important. How many of you guys know that the atmosphere in the room determines what God is able to do, right? The atmosphere is really, really important, and we dismiss it a lot because we think it just happens by itself. But I want to tell you, we are not called to be the temperature. We're called to be the thermostat." Do you guys know the difference? We're not called to be the temperature and just say, well, this is just how it is. It's just cold in here. No, if we want it to be warmer, then we do what? We walk to the thermostat and we bump it up. And so the encouragement I have for us today is, is really challenging all of us to be the thermostat in a sense of where you are in your life, it is your job to set the atmosphere, Right? You can't just let the temperature of the room define your relationship with Jesus. You've been given permission by God, by the cross. There's so many things throughout the Bible. You've been given permission by God to adjust the temperature of your life according to the word of God. So I woke up that morning and I said, okay, the atmosphere is important. And so I I got ready for church and I knew we were driving about 50 minutes out of town to go um, to the church we were told to minister at. And so I was expecting to get there and have to set the atmosphere. You know, that's what I interpreted, my assumption of what God was saying. So I'm I'm you know ready, I'm thinking through what am I going to pray against and what are you know just getting ready. And I stepped foot into this church, this little country church, with a stage almost as tall as I am. I, it was like fearsome to behold. You know, I thought, how, you, you know, you see those old-fashioned movies where the pastor is like floating in the air. He's so tall. And he's like speaking down to the crowd. That's how it felt like to be on this stage. And I'm thinking, I'm not going up there. I'm already so tall. How am I going to? Anyways, I did because that's what they told me to do. But uh, it was an interesting experience. So I walk into this room, and nothing on the walls looks familiar to me. Nothing in the room feels like home, but the atmosphere was ready and ripe for the Holy Spirit to do his thing, and it took my breath away, guys, and I realized what the Lord was saying to me was pay attention to the atmosphere because I'm doing something there, not because I had to do something there. Does that make sense? And about, I don't know, five minutes of being in this room, I realized I feel like I'm at home. I'm a five-hour plane ride from Miami, so you know, even farther from here. I'm I'm a world away from home, from Bethel. But I'm standing in this room, I'm amongst a, a room about the size of our church. These people are praying, they're singing this song that says, Atmosphere shift now, Holy Spirit, come down, chains be broken, break now, heavens open, and I'm like, I'm home. <laughs> These are my kind of people. We look nothing the same. We both speak English and we pronounce none of the words the same. I'm by nature a little loud and this is a very soft-spoken nation and I'm talking like this yes, could you pray for me because I'm having a, you know, and they got their music blasting and I'm like, could you put your ear, your face in my ears? Because I can't hear a word you're saying, you know, I'm like, Holy Spirit, lead me while I pray. I hope I'm praying the right thing for you that you asked for. But I'm standing in this room and I'm like, the atmosphere here is exactly how it is at home. And God began to move. And the Lord said to me, he gave me a couple of words of knowledge, and one was about an elbow, which is ironic because I, um, that was not a word of knowledge I got this morning, but um, whenever we were praying for you, Ryan, I was like, oh, elbow, I hadn't even connected that to what had happened last week. And so I stood up there and I said, and I explained words of knowledge and whatnot, and I said, ma'am, uh, this lady rose her hand, she said, I had an injury and I can't move my arm past this. And this is what she said, I can't move my arm past this. <laughs> and she goes... And I said, okay, we're going to pray for you in a second. I'm telling this testimony, and I'm watching her like. And so I stopped everybody, and I said, okay, I'm sorry. Is it, what's happening? And she goes, it's completely healed. And she's like, I couldn't do this. It's completely healed. And I'm going, what? The atmosphere is so important, right? It's so important. And here's the thing. Our false beliefs, that's our blockage of what God can do. God is limitless in his power. He does not discriminate. You guys, some of you need to hear me say this. He is not discriminating from one person to the next, saying, I like you more, and therefore I will use myself in you more. That is not the way he works. The deciding factor of how the atmosphere of God works in your life is right here, and it's in you. It's your beliefs about God. So I titled this message, Don't Let Go. So all the kids in the room, give me a wave. All the kids. All right. Now, I need you to grab hands with a kid next to you if you can. Okay? Grab hands with a kid or, or an adult next to you. Grab hands with an adult next to you. Now, here we go. Are you ready? Don't let go. Okay? Don't let go. Now, if I issued this as a real challenge with a prize involved, how many of you know not one kid is letting go? If I put a chain, a long chain, and a $100 bill or a new iPhone or a new Xbox or whatever on the other side of that chain, I guarantee you we'd be here till tomorrow. There'd be kids who are like, I am, this is mine, right? I am not letting go. Now, because I love you parents, kids, you guys can let go. You don't have to keep holding your hands. But this is the posture that we need before God, Right? This is the posture that we need. In the same way, if I had a a challenge for you that was a prize involved, and you knew for a fact if you held on the longest and didn't let go, it would be yours, that's how we need to come before the Lord. But here's what we do, right? We come before God and we say, Lord, I know you can heal, for example. We're talking about healing a little bit today, so for example, I know you can heal, But I'm not exactly sure if you will right now. So we come and we get prayed for and we don't get healed in that moment. And we're kind of like, huh, well. And we go about our lives and we dismiss the mystery because it's uncomfortable. Are you guys tracking with me? So one person showing up in a prayer line and saying, I know God can heal, is entirely different than showing up in a prayer line and saying, I know God will do something in my life. I don't know what it is. It might not be healing in this moment, but if I don't let go, something good is going to happen. So my challenge to you today is in what ways are we letting go? It's like, uh, anybody remember that game Red Rover? I think it's banned from schools now, right? For right, yeah, yeah. And for right reason, because Red Rover is a terrible game. I remember being out there and being like, oh God, if you love me at all, you will not pick my arm, right? And like, of course, I would always have to hold hands with the one kid who was like, bring it on. And I'm like, please let go, please let go. I was the kid on the soccer team who like, they always put me at the back of the line. I can't even remember what the t- names are now. This is my brother over here. He remembers all too well. And I would be back there and the, the forward would be like charging. Is that what they're called? The forward? right? No? Okay, thank you. One person likes soccer in here. They'd be charging and it would be my job to block them. And in my head, I would be thinking, I could just move out of the way and cheer you on. (laughs) I was a horrible team sports person. I still am, right? But this was me. I'm standing in Red Rover and I'm like, no, no, no. But we can't be like that with God. We have to be standing with God and saying, I know you, I trust you, I'm going to stay here until you blow me away with your goodness, even if it's 5, 7, 20 years in the making, right? I'm telling you guys, if you will not let go, God will move in your life. But the enemy knows that the easiest way to get you out of the race its right here. It's to convince you that God just doesn't like you or love you as much as somebody else. It's to convince you that he really is upset about something in your life and therefore he would rather move in somebody else. I'm telling you, what we just saw in this room with all these healings breaking out, I am the most unlikely person to see these things happen. I'm the person who for years at a time would walk into a setting where the Holy Spirit would be moving and I would feel so frustrated at myself and at God. Like, why can't I get it, Lord? What's wrong with me? What did I do? And eventually what I realized was it was this right here. It was that I didn't understand who God was for me. I didn't understand that he actually loves me just as much as you, and maybe more so. Which we all should be saying that, right? We all should know God enough to say, I really think I'm his favorite. <laughs> okay, well, we can duke it out later, but it won't be in Red Rover style. It'll be some other, some other style. But you, guys know <laughs> but you guys know what I'm saying? We have to have this, I'm not letting go, Lord. I will be the thermostat. I won't be the temperature. When my life is going this way and I can't figure it out, I will step up to the, th- the thermostat and I will adjust, right? It takes courage. It takes fearlessness. I get that. But I, this is my whole word for you guys today is just don't let go. So look to your neighbor and say, don't let go. Now you look at your other neighbor and say, no, you don't let go. Don't let go. So here's my next question for you. Are you convinced that God can in your life? Genuinely, are you convinced that God can? Here's how the Lord handles us, right? He takes us through seasons that are difficult, and he allows the difficulty to expose our false beliefs for the sole purpose of getting rid of them. But when when we don't understand that, when the false beliefs come up, they actually take us out because we start thinking, oh, that's what I really think. And then we start feeling shame, and we start thinking like, you know, oh gosh, Lord, this is embarrassing that I, d- I believe this about you. I've probably told this story to you guys before, but I remember in the midst of, uh, you know, we had just, we had a baby that we lost at 20 weeks, and I also, they thought I had thyroid cancer, and I was begging God to touch my life and to heal me so I didn't have to do this surgery and take part of my thyroid out. I was 29 years old. I just felt, I'm way too young for this. I went through every possible avenue, all the healing rooms, the fasting, the praying, all of it, and gotten Nothing was happening. And I remember sitting on my bed one night, and I was reading Psalm 18, because the Lord had told me, you're not allowed to read anything but Psalm 18. And nine months later, I realized I lived out almost every word of that psalm. And there were different points in the journey where it would come alive to me. So on this particular day, I'm sitting there, and I'm reading Psalm 18, and it says, the cords of death have come upon me. And then it says that the Lord, I'm paraphrasing here, he essentially hid himself in a cloud to rain, to come down and pluck David out of his despair and rescue him as this is fantastic. Fantastic, fearsome verse. And then it says, David speaking, he says, and he delivered me because he delighted in me. And I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm reading and I'm like, yes, God, the cords of death, that's how I feel. Yes, God, you delivered me. And he delivered me because he delighted in me. And I remember this sting in my soul and my eyes welled up with hot tears and I threw my Bible down and I was like, that's it. I'm not going to be healed. And I said something to Grant, and I said, you know, I just need to have the surgery. The Lord's not going to heal me. And he said, why do you say that? And I couldn't admit that I had come face to face with, I knew God delights in people, but when my healing seems to be hinged on whether I believe it about myself, I just don't. Right? And I'm sitting in this moment, and it was so embarrassing on every level. It was like I was in ministry. I'm like, how can I not believe this? And a few weeks later, I was praying, and I was like, God, is there any other way? And I found myself sitting in my car, almost having this feeling of like, not to the same degree, of course, but you know, we read about Jesus so agonizing, he sweats blood, like just, I was resonating with that agony, like, God, I need you so bad. And the Lord said to me, he said, Rachel, what's coming against you in the spirit, it's stronger than what you have the revelation to fight and win. And that made me mad, if I'm being honest. So I said, all right, God, give me the revelation. And he says, he just whispers quietly to my heart. He said, you'll get the revelation by doing the surgery. And I was like, oh, sorry, I think I had something in my ear. Let's go back and say that again, (laughs) Lord, right? Right. And I was sitting there uh, waiting to have the surgery, and I, I saw prophetically this really large black figure behind me. And, and to be completely frank and honest with you, I thought I was going to die. Like the circumstances were so grave in my mind and what I'd been reading in the Bible and everything. I was like, well, this is it. And I was trying to hold it together and keep a smile on my face, but I was pretty sure I wouldn't be waking up. And what happened was I did wake up, but I ended up with a really bad infection a few days later, and it did almost kill me. And when all of that was over and I was recovered and all of that, the Lord showed me something. Do you know what he showed me? I am his favorite. And I know you are too, but I'm talking, so it's about me, right? I am his favorite. And I realized the revelation I didn't have to fight that battle was I didn't know that God would come through for me. I'm not talking about generically. I'm talking about soul to soul, like, you know, in the depths of my being. I didn't know if God would come through for me. And the Lord was like, until you get that, you can't change the atmosphere enough to bring about the miracle. So this is why understanding our false beliefs are so important. I know the Lord brought me through. That year was a bad word. Okay? It was really bad. I'm not even going to go there. The kids in the room but it was such a bad year, and the Lord showed me after the fact, he's like, you had to go through all of that so I could expose everything in you, that, you can't, that could not move you forward. Are you guys tracking with me? And by the grace of God alone, I partnered with him, and I didn't just say, well, this is it. This has been a good run. You know, peace out, Lord. I don't want to be with you anymore. No, I was like, I'm not letting go. I'm not going to be one of those people who used to walk with God but doesn't anymore. That's not me. I don't have this all figured out by any means but I'm standing here and I'm not letting go and I'm telling you if we will position ourselves in that way there is nothing God can do can't do in your life amen amen so turn to your neighbor and say I'm not letting go I know you guys love it when pastors do that but don't don't let go guys this is my whole encouragement for you today I'm telling you you are a thermostat you have been given permission by God to affect the atmosphere of your home, of your marriage, of your family. Like just this, you know, Grant and I have had one of those weeks. I don't know if you've, you know, if you've been married long enough, you know, sometimes the weeks are a little bit longer than a week, right? And by Friday, I think we were having a discussion and, um, <laughs> and I said, I just feel like you can't understand anything I'm saying. And he looked at me and he goes, you can't understand anything I'm saying. And it became a really comical moment of like, but I'm 100% right. And he's like, that's exactly how I feel. And we're having this conversation going, where is the middle ground? Everything is so twisted, you know? And we had to just stop and say, okay, we're, this is not us. We're not going to like let this define us, right? We're going to stop and like reset. And then, of course, in my home, you guys have heard me joke about this before. Then he's like, so, so you need to forgive me now. And I'm like, oh, You know, those days where sometimes I'm like, I will forgive you because I'm instructed by the Bible. And that is my sole reasoning in this moment right now. Eventually, I'll come around and I will fully forgive you. But in this moment, I'm doing it because of the commandment of Jesus, right? Because I love Jesus more than I love you. But I was sitting there. I was sitting there. You know, we're sitting in the car. We're trying to go to the water park. We're trying to have this, like, fun family day. We're like, okay. We had to stop, reset, apologize to the kids, apologize to each other. Everybody had to have this, like, kumbaya moment and then move on. I'm just saying that's real life, right? It happens. But here's the thing. If we are not convinced that we can set the thermostat, then division begins to come in. Right? All right. I could keep preaching on that, but I'm not going to. So... Don't let go, don't let go, don't let go. Today we have the absolute privilege and honor of doing baptisms. And I know a lot of you guys are here to witness the baptism of a family or a loved one, family member. And um, listen, I feel like this is such a great encouraging word on the day of baptisms because this is what baptism is all about, right? It's about a commitment. It's about saying, I have decided I'm following you, Jesus, and I'm outwardly showing everybody this is it. This is for me. This is the way I'm going to live. So for all of you guys, you'll see them wearing their blue shirts. For everybody that's getting baptized today, this is your prophetic declaration over your life. Do not let go. Don't let go of the testimony of what God has done in you so far. This is only just the beginning. He is going to continue to meet you and grow you, but your job is to hold on. Amen? So what I'd like for you guys to do is let's just pray over everybody that's being baptized. If you guys are being baptized, you can come on up here, and uh, I'll give you some instructions in just a second. But this is amazing. We've got 12 incredible people who are being baptized today. (laughs) Two of my kids are being baptized. It's so awesome. So as they're moving up here, you guys just do me a favor, and let's just pray. Just extend your hands to them. We're going to pray just a blessing over all of them. Jesus, we just thank you for what you've been doing in each and every one of these lives. We thank you, Lord, in the testimony and the way that you have, have captured them, that you've arrested death on their behalf and have launched them into a new identity. And so we just pray such a prayer of blessing over each one of them, Lord. And we look forward in expectation in the way they're going to grow in wisdom and stature and favor and knowledge in you. In Jesus' name, amen.